Welcome to Behave Intelligently, an uncensored exploration of behavior in the workplace, life, and the larger world. I'm your host, Jay Johnson. Thank you for joining this week's edition where we're going to talk about the coronavirus and its impact on business. I am joined by some behavioral all-stars from Coeus Creative Group, Mark Garrison. Hello. And Madison Bennett. Hi. Good to see you guys. And uh, let's kick this off the right way. How, uh, how are you feeling about this whole coronavirus thing? I'm glad we all came together in the same room to do this recording. A nice 10 by 10 yeah. with padded walls. Yeah. This nice confined <laughs> space. We're all talking. Yeah, of course, with microphones and all kinds of different uh, apparatus up by the cl- by our face. That's that's great. No air circulation. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, we've been seeing all kinds of different reports, and this is something that is changing day by day. But something that has been going on for a couple of weeks now is the impact on small businesses as well as some larger indus- industries, uh, such as the travel industry. Uh, We see cruise lines today just started announcing that they're canceling any cruises that go through April. We've seen the airlines uh, giving, you know, free change vouchers, essentially, if people want to change their flights. We've seen manufacturing companies having to shut down lines because they can't get supplies. But really, what does that mean for us as business people or networkers or people that are attending conferences, trainings, events? So any thoughts on that that you guys want to share to start off? Well, I don't think anybody's attending trainings or conferences. Uh, as you know, uh, I organize a conference for a client and, you know, I'm in the process of shutting that conference down and transitioning it to a later date, hopefully later this fall. And all the mechanics that go into shifting those things, it doesn't happen overnight. And so the impact is some other things aren't getting done right now because everybody's in a sort of perpetual crisis mode of how do you deal with this certain fire and you know we initially said well we're not going to postpone we're going to keep going and then all of a sudden corporate policy started changing and people could no longer attend the conference so i had a great conference planned but nobody was coming nobody was going to attend it (laughs) and that had nothing to do with you know our planning and so the impacts of the different companies as well as people having their own concerns um one of my speakers was was canceling because he cares for his elder grandparents Mm. and they told him you can't go and do anything for the sake of your family and he said well yeah family first I'm, i'm making that decision And so not only is it corporate policies, but to some extent, we have family policies that are sort of starting to go into place and and affecting those day-to-day events and conferences and stuff. Yeah, it's really interesting how this is affecting behaviors, not just, you know, in a corporate environment, but also family dynamics and, you know, families not necessarily getting together for Sunday dinner right now. Um, You know, families taking precautions and going buying out all of the toilet paper in the big box stores. Uh, I'm not really sure how that has an impact on respiratory illness, but that's okay. You know, people behave in very, very unique ways as we as we know that here. Um, So we see these different challenges that are starting to face. And obviously, we were not immune to it. We've had a number of our different conferences and speaking engagements canceled. Uh, but, you know, life goes on and business goes on. So what do you think are some of the things that maybe we should consider as business uh, business leaders or and in our sales and our marketing or other things? You know, are there predictions that we should be making to, 
maybe help some of the other businesses that are out there in you know, coming up with a strategy to overcome this over the next couple of months. Because as you had mentioned, you know, some conferences are postponing, but they don't even know when to postpone to. No one has any idea when this will slow down or when it's going to be resolved. So, you know, living in the world with coronavirus now, we've got to adjust some behaviors. What are your guys' thoughts? Is there anything that you would say you can predict or something that you're thinking that a consumer or a potential business might be uh, looking at? Or is there some strategies or ideas that we should be focusing on in the next couple of months? I think we have to look at everything in a more long-term you know, point of view. Right now, we're in panic mode. We're trying to contain the virus, but realistically, it's inevitable. It's going to spread and continue to spread, but we just have to prepare ourselves for it and take precaution lightly, not to the sense where I need to stock up on enough toilet paper to last me through the next year because I don't plan to ever leave my house, but more so um, washing my hands and carrying hand sanitizer on me or maybe carrying Lysol wipes to wipe down a cart if the store runs out because realistically that's what's happening. Yeah, I thought that was brilliant. So we had a uh, we had a training here in the office and before you know everything really started shutting down, uh, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. You brought in those wet naps that had you know disinfectant killer on them and everything in lieu of sanitizer, which all of the stores had been bought out. I think that's something that a business could easily do is think about that in terms of their customer. Can you put hand sanitizer out uh, all over your store or all over your restaurant? Can you have it on tables? Can you have it uh, just immediately available? That's going to make people feel a little bit safer, a little bit more confident that uh, you know that the restaurant and the ownership of the restaurant is going to be looking out for their best interest. And I think that's that's a good point. I mean, that was when we postponed our conference to the fall. It wasn't because we thought by fall coronavirus was going to be resolved or the flu or whatever um, issues going around. It was, in a sense, to buy us time to adapt and sort of change our plans on how we handle things. You know, because seven days before our conference, we're like, okay, well, how are we going to change our breakfast continental buffet? Yeah. Okay, well, that's only giving me a few days to figure that plan out. Well, now I've got a few months to go, okay, from a budget standpoint, from an operation standpoint, how can we do these different things? And uh, say 10 days ago, I started trying to order large hand sanitizers for uh, all of my breakout rooms for the sessions. How successful were you in getting those? Oh, I got the got the order submitted and it's on back order. So yeah, I mean, sure. I, I think I'm towards the top of the list of back orders. <laughs> um, but if the conference were happening, I'd be at home brewing my own hand sanitizer and, and bottling them right now. Yeah, no kidding. I think uh, you should keep that order in just uh, so that way when you work your way to the top, you could probably fund the entire conference by selling them on eBay. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot that we can think about for consumers you know, not only like sanitation, but ways to build your immune system. So branding with items like that help you with de-stressing. So bath bombs or essential oils, things like that, that will help you boost your immune system and ultimately help you become less susceptible to the virus. Yeah, I think that's critically important. You know, stress is one of those things that has an impact on our immune system, as we know from the neuropsychological research. 
and the, the the research that they've done on how anxiety puts the you know stress chemicals into your body and essentially dampens those other systems. So I think that's a great idea if you're a business and you want to look at promotional items or something like that to really connect with your customers, those de-stressing type things or those sanitation and hygiene type opportunities, those could be really uh, really meaningful and impactful for a business owner. Uh, yeah, to give away, you know, and and I've been seeing a lot. Uh, one of our divisions for our company ha- handles promotional products, and there's a run on those little uh, hand sanitizer sprays and everything like that. Where people who or or companies who always have been doing those are out and can't get their typical products and are in a panic. So now it's also time for businesses to be a little more creative in terms of okay well let's mix it up if we can't get our usual hand sanitizer sprays which we've been giving out for the last 15 years let's think outside the box let's think a little more creative but there's also a point where businesses really have to sort of step back and look at how things are operating within their company too so here's an example Um, I had a follow-up appointment with a doctor recently and, you know, you go and you sign in and they give you the clipboard with all the papers to fill out and everything. Oh, I hate that. And I'm filling it out and I'm like, okay, it's really nice. You've got a nice pen wrapped in yarn. Um, <laughs> in your doctor's office, let's think about this and go, okay, well, maybe this doesn't work. That's or, a nice porous surface to yeah, or even <laughs> just you know the cup of pens by your checkout counter, and that you know people use to to sign the the credit card receipts or something. Maybe we need to start looking at all of these little things from a business standpoint, and you know a lot of times we miss it because we deal with it every day and we don't think about it. So I think now's the times that these smaller businesses need to bring in an external person just kind of go pretend to be a customer today and we're going to walk you through all the steps because that external person might pick up on things that the company's missing or um, maybe they more signage might be needed or you know oh this would be a great spot for a hand sanitizer or you know jay i know i've been in your trainings before and the example um i'm trying to blank on exactly what the purpose was but it was putting hand sanitizer in an elevator oh yeah it's a the psychology of you have an elevator that moves really slow that gets a whole bunch of people really frustrated with your customer, you know, with with the situation and they're complaining to customer service. You don't have the $30,000 to replace the elevator. What is a simple fix that you could do that would ultimately reduce their stress and anxiety while they're waiting for the elevator? And it's it's as simple as putting hand sanitizer in because there it's a comfort gesture when we put sanitizer in our hands it's the exact same gesture that you would have if you're feeling high anxiety and it has an impact of reducing that anxiety so it's a clever way to essentially apply a $30 fix to a $30,000 challenge and people in elevators right now in a confined space with having to touch a button that who knows who's touched and Social when the distance. last time it was clean yeah might not be a a bad solution for some of these businesses that may still have some hand sanitizer in a storage closet somewhere. 
Well, and I think it's really critical what you said is it's, it's very similar to the process that we would use for user design when we're looking at technology. We walk through it through the eyes of the customer. We really try to feel that empathy and get into the customer's shoes and take a look at it and say, this is probably what they're feeling, seeing, experiencing as they navigate this terrain. And doing the exact same thing to your actual brick and mortar store is and the way that your customer service handles you know does do you have people that are out on the aisles in the middle of the store during the time that customers are there mopping and uh you know cleaning up different things that's going to send a message and even if that's part of your you know evening if that's part of your after hours approach start doing that during hours because customers are going to go wow this place is kept clean tidy neat sanitized i don't have as much problem shopping here as maybe i would in a place where there's a stain on the floor during the day but that's going to get cleaned up at night or things are messy on the shelves and you know that's going to get all straightened up by personnel after hours we can't really think that way anymore it seems like at least in this coronavirus world right and you know, I was on a cruise mid-January, and Scary. Um, it was right before a lot of the news were, was breaking out. It's been 14 days, right? At Mid-January, <laughs> so we're, yeah, we're good. It's been a couple months now. Um, but what I found interesting was mid-cruise, they sort of changed their policy and operations. And, you know, for those that have been on a cruise or been to an all-inclusive, you know, they have the, the buff- all-you-can-eat buffets. Well, it really turned in more uh, cafeteria style where you got your plate handed to you and then you could go down the line, still get however much or whatever you wanted to eat, but they were now scooping it and serving it to you. So anything that you could touch. Less hands on the utensils. Yep. Um, no longer was there salt and pepper on the tables. They would come around and, and you know, grind it out over your plate for you and instead of you touching it and then the next person touching it. And what I really found fascinating was when we left the main dining, the the one um, breakfast, I had happened to turn around and look back at our table, and they were as soon as we had gotten up and left, they were over there with some kind of cleaning wipe, hazmat suit, wiping yeah hazmat <laughs> suit, um, wiping down the chairs and the the seats where anybody would have touched. And my wife and I were like, "Oh, why weren't they doing this all along? This seems like a good practice." <laughs> Um, and so I think there's some of those practices that we're seeing some industries implement in sort of this crisis mode that as a consumer, we're kind of thinking. These are probably good practices even well, when we're not in crisis yeah, mode. Yeah, like why aren't these? And, and, and I get it. You know, there's costs and, fa- you know, different factors at play. But, you know, maybe some of these things need to stay in place um, without all the panic. Yeah. You know, even last night, we ended up uh, doing Jimmy John's, but instead of having the, you know, stack of sandwiches that people can grab, they were the individually wrapped, you know, quarters. So no matter what, you weren't touching anyone else's food or you weren't, uh, you know, you weren't having to dip in or grab the same utensil as somebody else. It was, uh, you know, it was considered before we ever even ordered food for our guests because we wanted to make them feel psychologically safe. Yeah. I mean, like you said, we have to have this mindset where, you know, coronavirus isn't going to be gone in the fall, but we need to start implementing these measures now and keep up with them to kind of contain it. Um, You know, like you said, you're not planning your conference for the fall because you think it's going to be gone. Like, that's why we're in panic mode now. We're trying to cancel everything in the short term, but, you know, just because something's happening, 
like having a mini panic attack in my head over the $500 ticket I bought to Electric Forest in June. <laughs> they haven't canceled yet, knock on wood. But I'm, that's a little further down the road. It's not happening tomorrow. But there's a lot of people that are, you know, very upset over the fact that Coachella is postponed, but other people for other things aren't getting their money back. So South by Southwest was canceled, and they're not offering refunds to people. Um, there was I, another big music Ireland festival. Ireland canceled St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, like, I that's... paid for a ticket to go to um, this big event in Grand Rapids on Saturday. They're postponing it, um, or you can get a refund. It was only like 20 bucks a ticket, but realistically, I was like, do I want to go to um, Grand Rapids in July to celebrate St. Patrick's Day? No. But at first, they were like, we're taking measures to make sure that there's more sanitation and safety, but realistically, the number one recommendation from the cdc is stay away from big crowds yeah over a hundred <laughs> so they're like all right well we're going to cancel it you know you know and i think that that really helps us maybe make some predictions about uh, the way other consumers are going to start behaving they're probably not going to be signing up for anything that is going to look like a larger event you know it right now is that time of season for fish fries and you see a whole bunch of churches and and uh, groups that are putting on these fish fries that have 100 200 300 people coming through the door constantly and a lot of those groups end up relying on those fish fries for fundraising for almost their entire year they're they're very successful in that and time to start ordering massive amounts of to-go boxes Yeah, to-go boxes exactly you know that's that's the kind of thinking if we, if we can make these predictions you know you're not going to throw twenty dollars out down on the chance that the conference is going to come if there's not a guaranteed of if this gets canceled i'm going to get my money back so this is where businesses i think really need to start smartening up and being very clear and transparent on what is the risk of me buying a ticket to your event right now if the risk is zero and I can get my money back, you know, up to 24 hours or in the event of cancellation, I can get my money back. Maybe I'm going to be a little bit more inclined to purchase that ticket that's coming up in June. Um, but if I'm not certain of that, there's no way that I'm going to do that. And if I'm looking at even like the smaller levels, these fish fries, if there's not communication coming out from those different entities saying, this is what we're doing to protect you, this is how we're creating social distance, this is what we're doing for sanitation, and having almost like a, a, a well-defined plan and policy that's transparent and communicated to the public, you're going to see those different businesses or those different opportunities just squander by the wayside because people are going to go... Ah, I'm not going to deal with this. I can go to Long John Silver's and get my fish from there. or I'll get the, uh, you know, the fish sandwich from uh, McDonald's and I don't ever have to touch anybody or be any, in the vicinity of anybody. Yeah, I got an email from Starbucks this morning. That was a great saying, email. Yeah, they did a, a really good job of basically saying we will alter the way we serve you if it comes down to it. If it comes to the point where we have to shut down stores, like we'll just have the drive through open or we will limit the amount of people that are allowed inside the store, or we'll start limiting it to just solely um, ordering through the app to pick up orders or through you can Uber Eats Starbucks. Mm -hmm. But I also got an email from um, Ulta. They are saying they're working to increase sanitation because it's a, it's a beauty store. People go in there and try makeup. And they touch a lot, everything. They touch everything. When I mean everything, I mean everything. Um in addition to Sephora is giving out free shipping codes to encourage people to shop online instead of going into their stores. It's another beauty store. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Starbucks, A, because we share that, and I got that email too. But I thought it was really intelligent how they crafted that message to say, here's what we're going to think about, you know, creating additional social space where the tables aren't right next to each other. Or we're going to open up, uh, you know, open up additional people that are working the drive through to get people through the drive through faster so you don't have to come in. I mean, those are the conveniences people are going to be looking for because they're, you know, if, if I'm going to be... If I am competing against everybody and sitting in a drive through line and I know that Starbucks has an additional five people, it may just encourage me to go to Starbucks rather than a Dunkin' Donuts or a Tim Hortons for my coffee in the morning. God forbid. But <laughs> Yeah, and I was reading an article yesterday that was saying, you know, think about how you can be the hero for your consumers. So what can you offer that's going to make them feel safe? You know, maybe restaurants start implementing delivery instead of, um, serving people, you know, in the restaurant. Yeah. And I even think that's true of hardware stores, like, or anybody that has some kind of like shelf product, right? Like if I am a consumer and, you know, is this an added expense to the store to have a delivery person that's making deliveries? Sure. You can always add a service fee or a delivery fee on top of that. But if I know that I don't have to go to your big box store, because all I really need is a couple of plumbing pieces or whatever. I can order those online and they're going to come directly to me. Yeah, you know, it seems like that's a, a service that was reserved to the bigger, you know, Home Depots or the Menards or something. But I think if you're a smaller store at this point in time, you really need to be thinking about how can you incorporate these types of deliveries or these type of opportunities because... Yeah, my favorite hardware store, uh, my favorite hardware store, the one right across the street in Redford Township, it's a it's a true value hardware store. Um, and the challenge with it is, is that the aisles are narrow. If you've got yeah. 10 people in there, you're going to bump into them six times before you ever make it to the register. And that's not something that they can just completely redo their entire store. But I think that they've taken some different uh, approaches to really kind of make it safe for people. They do have sanitizer out. They've got everything very well lit. They've got, you know, little markers indicating where you can get the certain things so you're not spending more time in the store than you necessarily need to. Those are some behaviorally intelligent strategies, I think, that uh, we really need to think about, as you said, from the customer experience. And even a smaller store like that, if if they don't have the infrastructure or the resources to launch an online store where people can order, purchase, and items get shipped to them, or they don't have the resources to deliver to homes. Maybe I can call them and say, here are the items that I need. They go collect them all. Can you get them ready for me? And all I have to do is go into the register because, you know, I'm not a big hardware guy, but my, my father is. And he'll go into a hardware store and be in there for hours as he looks at every single thing and buys things that he's got two or three, you know, already at home. He's just like, oh. I don't have one this color, or I don't have one this size. Yeah. Even think about a Home Depot. If you've ever been in a Home Depot, everybody picks up everything. They pick yeah. up the tools. They pick up the the screws. They throw them back into the thing. They pick up, you know, the plumbing, the pipes. They measure out this cap on this, you know. That is all different places where people are going to start to get suspicious and go, I may not go out there because I know that there's a thousand people that went through that store today and that's 2,000 grubby hands touching, you know, 6,000 different pieces. Mm -hmm. Why do I want to put myself at that risk? Yeah. And my local Kroger actually just recently installed doors on all the refrigerator sections. So 
you know, items that are normally out that don't have packaging mm-hmm. that get touched frequently. They have more of a protection now because someone's less likely to ha- stand there with the door open for five minutes versus being able to stand there in the open and touch everything. And yep. also, if you're walking by, maybe you sneeze or you cough. It's not going to get on the produce. So. <laughs> it's good too. I do find it. I do find it interesting. Is everywhere that I've been where somebody sneezes or anything else, everyone immediately just like looks at that person so suspiciously. Like, where have you been? Right. <laughs> what have you got? Have you been tested? And it's just, you know, it's sad that it's sad that that is a fear, but that really does come from our survival instincts. You know, we talk about this in our trainings all the time. That limbic system that regulation of fight or flight or faint uh it's it's virtually impossible especially with all of the different things that we're hearing and mortality rates to go uh i gotta be a little bit more on high alert a little bit more suspicious of everything around me and i think it would be really important for business owners to kind of take heed of that and understand that neuropsychology of people Let's switch gears here for a moment, though, and talk about maybe what are some of the behavioral things that we as individuals can do to help ourselves and to help ourselves stay healthy. You know, we've talked about washing hands, as Madison said, uh, avoiding some of the big crowds and things like that. But, you know, there's so many different things, particularly in the business environment, whether it's networking, whether it's shaking hands, whether it's exchanging business cards, all of those things are we're not going to call them necessarily high risk behaviors but they're they're behaviors that have some potential consequences so have you guys any ideas or or thoughts on what we might be able to do in terms of you're out at that next networking event maybe there's only 30 people there how do we as business people approach this from a behavioral standpoint well, I, I think first the, these some of these networking events are going to be struggling for the next couple of weeks or yeah. months um, to readjust or get quality numbers there. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, you often see around flu time is people can order and buy these buttons that say, you know, no offense, flu season, you know, mm-hmm. no handshakes. Um, I think you might see some things like that popping up a little well, bit that's, more. That's really interesting uh, that they're essentially communicating that or announcing that out loud rather than just, you know, when you go up to shake somebody's hand and they refuse to shake your hand. Because I know that that can be a really awkward and... Yep. And that's actually something we were quickly trying to uh, turn around for the conference. If we were still going to proceed, we were, we were trying to do stickers. They yep. were just like, no offense... You know, virus season, don't shake hands. Um, but our our thought process was, we wanted to pe- we wanted the the people to still feel welcomed mm-hmm. and encouraged to have a conversation with each other, and not like, oh, I don't want to talk to anybody because I don't know who's yeah you over there <laughs> yeah you know. And so I because we started thinking from from the the attendees' perspective, if they walked up and they put their hand out to shake your hand. And you said no, would they kind of move back and kind of recoil and like, oh, okay, and this person isn't very friendly? Yeah, is it because you think I'm dirty or is it because you yourself have something? (laughs) Or or you're just not a friendly person, Yeah, you know, And, and so we didn't want that. And so we were looking at solutions like that. So I think from a networking standpoint, that's something. Um you know, if I were organizing a networking event right now, I would be doing 
um, name badges. And every name badge would have a QR code printed on it that could connect people back to their profiles or LinkedIn something like that. LinkedIn or... profile or um, some sort of list of all the attendees. So that way people don't have to exchange business cards and be concerned about that. That's a huge thing because I... I... You know, people go, all right, I can't shake hands, so maybe I you know, do a corona-free elbow bump or, you know, a fist bump or, or whatever it is. Or, you know, however, we're, we're doing those, quote, modern greetings at this point in time. And even if you can get everybody to do that, I think we sometimes forget, like, oh, let me give you this business card. Let me give you this flyer. Let me hand you this or whatever that is. Well, guess what? If you have those remnants of the virus and you just put it all over that piece of paper or that card stock and then you pass that, it is essentially no different than you shaking hands. But we don't think about that because it's not human to human contact per se. So I, that's a really clever way, you know, the QR code or even a digital business card yeah. or an attendee list that has all of the different emails that you could create a connection group from afterwards. I mean, those are things that I think that smart business people are going to start looking at is, hey, how can I best continue to make these great relationships and these connections, but at the same time, not necessarily put myself or somebody else at risk? And it may not even be um, the business card that you just received. If, you, if you're like me, when you're at networking events, you know, you go into the event with a plan that your business cards are in one pocket. Business cards that you receive go in the other pocket. Right. And that lasts for about 30 seconds because you forget and start collecting cards and they end all, all in, in the same pocket. It's like you know me. So <laughs> my business cards might be germ-free, but I might get a card from somebody else that goes in there next to my business cards, transfers that germ, and then I give that card out. Yeah. You know, And it's those, those other factors. So I think from a networking event standpoint, uh, organizers really have to be uh, smart with uh, how they do things and being creative, um, you know, making sure that there is hand sanitizer or um, people are instructed to go wash their hands before the event if if they want to minimize risk. Yeah, you know, at one of the trainings, at one of the trainings that I just did, we were doing some body language, and part of the body language training is all about handshakes. And usually, I have them practice a handshake with each other and kind of look for the specific tiny minor cues that nobody really even notices until you stop them and actually show them this. But I said, we're not going to do this this week, obviously, because we know that there's some, you know, risks and things like that. And while there's not been very many cases in Michigan or anything else, let's just not play with fire. So we're going to practice, you know, what, how to do an elbow bump. And I think something that really uh, resonated with the audience there was one of the ways in which you can execute this that does not come across as I don't want to touch you or I don't want anything else is initiating the elbow bump or the fist bump or anything else. Because if somebody else initiates a handshake and they put their hand out there, essentially they're saying, I trust you to not have coronavirus on your hand or anything else like that. And at that point in time, you might feel that obligation to reciprocate and reach out and touch their hand, even if you're not necessarily feeling comfortable. But one of the things that I was encouraging them to do is be the leader that steps up and says, hey, you know, corona-free elbow elbow bump or something of that nature and then other people kind of make a joke about it and say yeah absolutely and they and they follow suit they'll reciprocate whatever the behavior is that you exhibit first 
But if they start or initiate the behavior, that may have the impact of you feeling the, the burden of reciprocating in return. Uh, one of the ways in which I was helping them to think about how do you, how do you communicate that, uh, how do you communicate to somebody that you know, extends their hand to you and you're concerned, you're nervous, you don't want to shake their hand. And, and one of the pieces of advice that I offered them was, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not shaking hands right now. I would be absolutely devastated if I shared, you know, if I caused you to get the coronavirus. So I'm really trying to limit my, you know, I'm trying to limit my own behavior to make sure that I don't get other people sick. Rather than making it feel like I'm not shaking hands because I'm worried about contracting the coronavirus myself. And it's two subtle different messages there. One is saying, I'm worried about you hurting me. The other is, I'm worried about me hurting you. And I think that that small nuance says, okay, they're not necessarily trying not to touch me because they're worried about me, but you know, it's, it's them, it's not me. And I think that that's a safer way to say, hey, let's not, let's not put each other at risk. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, and I think uh, most networking events that I've been to, uh, usually there's a minute or 30 seconds intro by the host. This is a good opportunity for the host to to really take that lead and sort of put the charge to the attendees. Hey, you know, thank you for attending our event. You know, we'd appreciate if you didn't shake hands. We're trying to minimize risk and keep these events going and being successful. So uh, the host is taking responsibility up front. Yeah. And the host encouraging the, the elbow bump or whatever it is um, and even demonstrating it, you know, and... Mm -hmm. Um, I think if the host does that and makes that a safe makes action. it a, yep, makes it a safe action and that that's what they're trying to practice. Well, you went to somebody's house, you you follow their rules and their behaviors. And I think that makes it a lot less awkward for people too to try to explain one on one what's going on. That's a great application of social proof and sort of setting the standard for those behaviors. Yeah. So, well, I think that when we look at the situations that we're finding ourselves in, it's definitely, you know, it's definitely going to be different over the next, you know, sets of months. And who knows what kind of impact this has on the long term, you know, we're going to start seeing a lot more virtual things, maybe virtual networking opportunities, uh, virtual product deliveries, etc. But, uh, you know, if there's any other advice that you would want to leave people with before we, you know, cut out for this session, what are maybe some final thoughts that you have from a behavioral standpoint for those business owners or for those entrepreneurs, those startups that are, you know, working their way through business in the, you know, this new Corona environment. Do you have any kind of final thoughts that you would want to share? Think about other people, you know, like you said, sharing this message that I, it's not that I don't want to get coronavirus, it's that I don't want to give it to you. So I'm right now, my mindset is, okay, I'm, I'm 26. If I, I have a clean bill of health, I just had a physical. If I get it, it's most like, likely going to show up as a cold or like the flu, a little more severe. And I'm going to recover. But say I transmit it to my boyfriend who has asthma and it's it's going to be a lot harder for him to recover. Or I transmit it to his parents who are older um, or just in general to other people, like you said, who have to take care of elderly people. That goes with buying things too as a consumer. You know, people are buying out masks. Well, if I'm healthy, I don't really need it, but you only need it if you're in contact with someone that is sick or if you are sick. So healthy people are buying out masks. The people that are sick can't get them, and the people that are 
taking care of the sick can't get them. So that's another way to transmit it. Yeah. It's just having this forward-thinking mindset of your own behavior and how you're going to affect everyone else and how those other people are going to affect others. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think from a, from a business standpoint, um, it's time to get creative and also to embrace digital. Um, businesses who want to keep operating the same way they always have are going to struggle. Um, brick and mortar stores, I think, are going to struggle a little bit. And I'm not saying they have to go online for everything, but doing what we talked about earlier with maybe allowing people to call the, the store and, and place their order and get the order, you know, collected from the shelves and bagged up, ready to go. And all they have to do is pop in the front door, pay. Um, places who um, are cash only may want to think about investing in the credit card machines. Oh, you know, some point. of those still exist. And uh, for, for businesses who uh, stress and push uh, employee, um, I don't know, services or whatever, you know, if you can allow your employees to work from home, if, if they're not feeling good, or, or even if right now, you know, let them work from home, let them work remotely, as long as they can still do the work, are they just sitting in the office to sit in the office? Uh, if not, let them work from home, right. um, and start looking at, uh, different ways to do your employee developments too. If, if, if we're concerned about, large audiences going to conferences or uh, large training sessions may not be the route. It might be more one-on-one -on -one coaching or digital doing it all, all online or over zoom or WebEx, WebEx yeah. or Microsoft teams, any of those platforms. So looking at everything from a technology standpoint. Yeah. I think my final thought is going to be, be transparent in your communication. You know, if you have an employee that's sick and that has potentially, uh, contaminated your area or anything else like that. I mean, one of the first things that we want to do or like what our brain tells us to do is, okay, let's just hide this. Let's just, you know, sweep this under the person. They've been sent home. They're not going to do that. Everybody else is okay and kind of bury our head in the sand. But the reality is, is if we think like that, that's going to be something that number one helps to continue the transmission of the virus. But number two, if your customers that are following in there that come in and end up getting sick or anything and you're identified as one of those sources of contamination you have a lot worse long-term problems than just you know maybe shutting down for a couple of days or doing a heavy you know a full day shutdown with completely disinfecting the store and doing everything in your power if you're doing uh, active things like thinking about your customers, like Madison said, and you're really taking that effort and being transparent in your communication, whether that's internal communications to your employees or external communications to your your publics and your stakeholders, I think that's going to go a long way in this time when we're so suspicious of everything and we're we're at that high alert and that lack of psychological safety. If you're the business that stands out as somebody who truly cares about your customers, you're willing to shut down your place in you know to save them from that risk, that's going to be something that has a long-term impact of people going well, I know that the last time that they had an issue that they shut down and saved us and told us about it, that means if they're not having an issue, they're more than likely communicating the truth to us. And that level of trust and rapport is going to go a long way in the, in the future, not just during this corona situation, but in the future when there are other situations. 
So thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Behave Intelligently. Hopefully we gave you some strategies from a business perspective that you can make better connections with your customers, your clients, and be able to protect them as well as yourself from the situation that we're facing with the coronavirus. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you might be listening. And if you want to learn more about Coeus Creative Group, please visit our website or connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Tune in next time when we talk more about behaving intelligently.